Welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough. And in a few moments, I'm going to be joined by my guest, Heider Verreich. He's a resident in internal medicine, and he is the Catherine Swan Ginsberg Fellow in Humanism at the Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston. He's the author of the novel, Aris of the Jinn. But I want to read for you a op-ed piece he had in the New York Times prior to the interview to give you a sense of what this resident physician is thinking. It's a very intriguing topic. As he writes, I remember when I first looked up at a patient on Google. It was my last day on the bone marrow transplant unit back when I was an intern. As I stood before the patient taking her history, she told me she had been a painter and suggested I look up her work on the Internet. I did, and I found her paintings fascinating. Even though our paths crossed fleetingly, she's one of the few patients I vividly remember from that time. Doctors do Google their patients. In fact, the vast majority of physicians I know have done so. To my generation, using a search engine like Google comes as naturally as sharing pictures on our children or a recent vacation on a social networking site like Facebook. But it surprises me that more physicians don't pause and think about what it means for the patient-doctor relationship. What if one finds something that is not warm and fuzzy? That was written by Dr. Heider Vereich. Welcome to the program, Dr. Vereich. Well, thank you so much for having me. So the article really was born out of a few uh, a few events that had happened actually over a wide spectrum of time, uh, and um, it was really spurred by uh, a few instances during my care, and and sometimes when I'd heard about it from my peers about instances in which doctors would Google their patients, and initially I didn't think much about it. Just and 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 I think that's how. Probably most physicians who practice who may have from time to time once in a while Googled someone in some circumstance. I, I'm, I'm not sure if they thought about it too much, just because I feel like we Google everything, so many different things, so many different times of the day, that it's almost a reflex to just, uh, if, you're, if you want to know more about anything, you, you just put it in that uh, empty space and you wait for it to give you an answer. But when when I had these experiences that I collected over uh, the I, I would say the past uh, twelve months or eighteen months, and I looked for guidance on the internet and I thought about if maybe someone has written about it, maybe there's some someone has given some thought to it. I didn't find much, so I, I took it upon myself to really put down my thoughts. You know, it's really interesting. Um, your article got national attention. Did that surprise you that so many people? Uh, read it, thought about it, and commented? I think that that, that has to be the most uh, surprising thing uh, about this piece, that even in this day and age in which uh, we Google everything, that there's something about Google that still raises people's eyebrows, that they're, that I'm, I'm, as physicians, we Google each other all the time. Uh, patients Google uh, physicians all the time. In fact, physicians expect to be Googled very frequently. Uh, but even in this day and age, the fact that doctors would Google their patients and the fact that this would raise so much uh, attention was truly surprising. When I write these pieces, I never know which one is going to get attention, and I was certainly surprised the attention that piece got. I was actually talking with a couple of physicians today where I work, and we were in the doctor's lounge, nice place to talk about things, and I said, oh, tonight I'm going to be hosting Primary Care Today, and I'm going to be speaking with you, and I talked about what the article was. Two physicians, two different viewpoints. One said, I think that's creepy, the idea of looking up your patients. I find it disturbing that someone would do that. 
And another doctor said, well, wait a minute, I've done it. For instance, if I've had a patient with uh, delusional behavior and I wanted to see if there was any truth to what the patient was saying, and I actually found there was a layer of truth to some of the thoughts, and I also found out with other patients, if they live in a challenged area in the sense where there aren't healthy places to shop, I can actually Google where their home is and get a look. So, you know, just two doctors randomly, both primary care providers, one was on one side of the fence and the other on the opposite. And it isn't like one was 28 years old and one was 65 years old. They were both in their 40s. And and that's so interesting. So many times when I was when I, because I didn't have much of a resource online or any other resource, to be perfectly honest, to to get a sense of what other people thought. That's how I did my research for this. We would go to our pre-practice conference in clinic, and I would raise this with both my residents as well as my attendings, and think about and and try and collect a sampling of what the responses were. And I totally agree with you. I would get very very different responses uh, from from people. There are some physicians who would argue that if there's something on Google, then it's public information that if and, and that if you use it for the benefit of a patient and if you don't have any ulterior motive and obviously if you don't share it un, in an unwarranted fashion then it, it is appropriate but then on the other hand there were there were physicians who didn't feel strongly about it at all in fact they didn't like the the thought of googling patients and i think that that argument also has a lot of weight and and i think some of that is because of the fact that really googling patients I mean, Google itself is not a very uh, accurate source of information. So even though there, you do get a lot of hits, you don't know if it's about the same person in question because there's so many people with the same name. And then, so so truly, there is. I think this is really is one of those topics in which uh, there really is no consensus about, at, at least at this point, uh, about whether it is the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. If you are just tuning in, you're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Heider Vareich, who is a resident in internal medicine, and you're also a fellow in humanism at the Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston. Interesting combination. First of all, that while in residency, you also are a fellow in a in a different area. How did that come about for you? I mean, it obviously shows that you have a wide variety of interests. So the, this fellowship is actually part of our residency. Uh, this was set up in the honor of a resident, Catherine Swan Ginsburg, who passed away at a very young age in her 30s of cervical cancer, and she was very well known because of her uh, of her humane uh, practice and of her, for being a wonderful person. So her family set up this fellowship for the medicine residents at Beth Israel. Uh, to be able to do research projects pertaining to the humanities. So I was lucky enough to be selected for it. But it is an interesting co- combination. You would think that that why would a physician need to have a specific interest in humanism? That should be an interest of every physician. But I think more and more in this current age in which we are so much so focused on outcomes, we're so focused on processes, that I think that might be one thing that really needs to be reignited. You know, you bring up a really interesting point because being on the other side, you know, having had a, a I mean, the, towards the second third of my career, I guess, I grew up in the time of paper charts and much more of the 
you know, back and mm-hmm. forth communication. And I'm now living in a world where we're doing obviously order sets that are standardized in different healthcare systems with formularies that are standardized and quality metrics and evidence and you mm-hmm. know you know the whole thing. So you obviously are certainly aware enough of the internet to be Googling people and obviously grew up in a generation with computers throughout most of your life. Yet you're turning back and saying, gee, a lot of that stuff from the past, we better make sure we don't lose. Mm-hmm. When I was working on this uh, on this uh, article, that's I think that's really what I came back with. I, I, I feel like at this point, the reason why people Google is, there can be a lot of different reasons. I think the reason why people do it is because it's so easy. Because you're sitting in front of a computer so often, way more than you are sitting in front of a patient. And as a physician, you know that that's not because physicians choose it to be that way. Because documentation is, uh, are, are the the needs for documentation is increasing. Compliance requirements are increasing. More and more, we spend most of our, especially as residents, uh, we are spending more and more time in front of the computer than we are in front of the patient. And and because of our over-reliance on electronic medical systems to get information, we're increasingly looking at the computer to give us information about patients rather than actually getting it from the patient themselves. Interested on your take on something. One of the things that I do, and I'm chairman of a family medicine department and see patients every day, is when I try, I try really hard to examine my patients and then I go out and get on the computer. So I basically have a little uh, you know, area set aside. I will look at who my patient is, what the complaint is, a couple quick things. And I go in, examine the patient, ask them questions, go through my exam, then come back, enter all the data, then come back with a final clinical content data, you know, all those sorts of things. But what a lot of other physicians do is they're in the room and they're typing as they go. I've balked at that because, at least personally, so many times looking in a patient's eyes or watching the interaction a mother has with her child or a lot of things, I've picked up things that I'm afraid I would lose looking at a computer. As a younger physician, entering into this world um, and doing it, what's your approach? I mean, how do you attack it? Because I'm sure a lot of people listening have their styles and are, we're all juggling and trying to figure out the best way to, to take these computers and make them part of our practice. I mean, I think it's a struggle for uh, for everyone. It, I think one of the things that drives this practice is, is how... Um, First of all, where you are in the relationship, I feel like initially when I don't know someone uh, and I'm still struggling to get a good sense of their medical history itself, um, I feel like more of my time is uh, spent uh, trying to make sure that I put down all of the information that I get from the patient so that I don't miss any of the of, of the data. And then I feel like as my relationship grows, maybe by the second or third visit, uh, I'm spending more time uh, actually getting to know the patient as a human being. I feel like on the first visit, uh, and because, I mean, you you have an established practice as a resident, you get to see a lot of new patients. So I feel like there, with time, as, as you get to know someone more, then you have to, then at least I find myself really getting to know my patient better because and, and because of that very thing that you said, because I'm li- looking at the patient, I'm actually having a conversation with them because I don't have to worry about if they say something important, will I not write it down, will I miss something important, factually. You know, it's interesting. I'm reading your article, and I've read it several times because I find it very interesting because you, you have a really good way of not only communicating but also using yourself more or less as a foil to get other people thinking, which I think is a you know, great quality in writing. And 
and you you start off by just saying, I remember when I first looked up a patient on Google. It was my last day on the bone marrow transplant unit back when I was an intern. As I stood before the patient taking her history, she told me she had been a painter and suggested I look up her work on the Internet. So you initially did it more at the suggestion of a patient, and then I guess you eased into it over time. Do you do it with most of your patients, some of your patients, specific patients? When do you actually uh, use the search engine? I actually have found myself very, very rarely using the search engine uh, for patients, and that's primarily because uh, patients themselves can give you a lot of information. You have family members who can give you information, and then uh, the electronic health system itself is so extensive that it takes you so much time just sifting through all the data that you may have on a patient. And, and as you know, we have an increasingly aging population, and the volume of that record is increasing at such an exponential rate. So that's where I spend most of my time. I think the instances in which I have ended up using Google is, for example, in settings uh, in which uh, either I didn't have that information. So I think one of the things that you mentioned was, uh, uh, one of your colleagues mentioned was a delusional patient. Sometimes we have patients who come into the emergency room or in the intensive care unit. We really don't have a great sense of who they are and whether they are encephalopathic, whether they are delirious, or whether what they're saying is the truth, if you need to verify information about contact addresses. I think that's one fairly common uh, scenario. I think the other scenario really is if something in the history doesn't add up. If if you are finding something that's glaring, that's, that's a huge mistake that you feel like doesn't just doesn't add up at all, I think that's another circumstance in which someone just to verify some information, Google might be an answer. I think one case that illustrates this was the case I talked about of the breast cancer patient, and this was this was one of the this was pretty much one of the only published reports I found. I found it very interesting, uh, in which you had this young patient who went to a surgeon for bilateral mastectomy, but when the surgeon took her history, her family history of cancer, something didn't add up, and he googled the patient and found out that she had set up these multiple fake identities on the internet and in some of which she had shaved her head and uh, was portraying herself as a cancer survivor, which was, of course, not true, and collecting charity. So in something like that, I've not been in a situation like that, but it seems as if that, if they, if that surgeon hadn't Googled the patient, he may have ended up doing something that was of permanent harm both to the patient as well as to himself. It's very interesting how there are new ways to use technology. We only have about a minute or so to go. I wanted to ask you that. You know, you're you're young in your career. You're you're looking forward. How do you see you know this rapid expansion? And it really is. It's really logarithmic. We're like flying now through this. This rapid expansion uh, in technology impacting care. Do you see it taking us to great places, or do you see it serving as a barrier? I think again with with all these technological advances that there's there's that golden apple on the horizon that we're always hoping to reach and and in this day, day and age I think that the that apple really is the big data revolution that somehow some some way we will get so much data about patients that we'll be able to move away from randomized trials we'll be able to look at relationships not just in one dimension but in multiple dimensions and come up with discoveries at a very rapid rate. I want to thank Dr. Heider Varich for joining us. Uh, good luck with your career in the future and 
I think you got a lot of fun things ahead of you, and uh, you'll make some great contributions. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. You've been listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. You can hear more at ReachMD.com. Until next time, take care.